This is the All Anal, All Anal, All Anal, All Anal Podcast with your host, Sebastian Starr. Sebastian Starr. With your host, Sebastian Starr. Hello, welcome to another episode of the All Anal Podcast. I'm your host, Sebastian Starr. And today I wanted to be talking about a album slash era slash chapter of one of my all-time favorite artists, The Weeknd. Uh, specifically his After Hours era. Now, if you've been uh, listening to The weekend for as long as I have, this would be, you know, early 2011. Um, you're familiar with the tradition of his fan base kind of transforming every album into an era or a chapter. So, for example, for the, the combination of his first three mixtapes that all dropped in 2011, House of Balloons, Thursday, and Echoes of Silence, and it kind of all rolled together into his first studio album, quote-unquote, known as Trilogy, that era was a very specific time period for the weekend, and it kind of revolved around this eerie, you know, spooky kind of tone and lyrical, you know, edginess. It was kind of off-putting and a bit, you know, nonchalant in a very toxic Kind of way. If you really paid attention to the type of music that he was making and the type of things he was referring to, it was very, very deadly. Um, and then, of course, you have the Kissland era, which is a bit more colorful. It's it's still dark and dreary, and it's very much you know in that mysterious fog of you don't know what's going to happen. But it's a it's a bit more colorful, and it's a bit more on the um, international side with the uh, Japanese and. Uh, Chinese influence on the album. And then you have the Beauty Behind the Madness hour, um, era, which is kind of like a, a rebirth, a regrowth, of a boost in confidence, this kind of suave, still villainesque type of style that really kind of made you want more of him. It was more, he was more desirable, more craved by the rest of the world at this point. And then you had the um, Starboy era that was much more pop and techno and people from all over the place were like, oh, what is this? You know, as if they never heard anything like that before. And so on and so forth. Um, I specifically wanted to talk about the After Hours era because this has been the most controversial yet compelling thing that I think he's done in his musical career. And I think I, I will know. Let me let me stop myself before I get ahead. I speak for myself when I say that so far, the After Hours album is probably my favorite project and era that he's ever released. And I'm going to tell you why. Up until this point, Kissland was my favorite because Kissland is very underrated. Kissland didn't get the attention that it deserved. A lot of people looked over it. A lot of people kind of skimmed past it. I remember listening to it when it first came out and being in awe, in complete and total awe, not just by the music, but the lyricism, the the energy, the the passion for it, everything surrounding Kissland was absolutely beautiful to me. And it still is. But there's something about After Hours that just hits different. I don't know if it's this character, this persona that he's, you know, kind of doving into or even just the music and the lyricism behind it all. But there's something so dangerously strong about After Hours. And I remember, I remember this was... Late 2019, the singles Heartless and Blinding Lights had dropped. Just the singles. And you saw him step out with the red 
tuxedo or the red suit jacket with the all black. And it was such a, it, that's such a beautiful combination of clothes. Um, that's such a beautiful combination of things to put together. Uh, and, and that's, that's the character's costume throughout this entire era is the red suit jacket with the all black and the white and black shoes with the big ass sunglasses. Um, and, and I, and the way that heartless comes in, is just so it's unfiltered. It's, it, it, it took me back to when, you know, I first heard the weekend and it's like, this nigga is raw. This nigga is uncensored, uncensored, unfiltered. You know, he can't be stopped. He can't be tamed. And it just really, I love Heartless. I absolutely love, I'm not going to say that it's my favorite song off the album because there are, there are other songs that are phenomenal in every way, shape, form, and aspect. But Heartless is definitely up there. Like it is just a wonderful song and people undermine that because blinding lights was such a hit because blinding lights is a song that anybody can sing. Anybody can enjoy. Anybody can listen to anybody can be like, I like that. You know what I'm saying? But heartless is like personal heartless is like, this is me talking. You know what I'm saying? This isn't for everybody. This is for me. And I think that's what I love the most about it is it's, it's mainstream to a degree. Yes, but it is just so raw. It is so raw. And you can, I just, I, I could go on and on and on about Heartless. But I digress. I wanted to talk about the entire era. So um, people were very skeptical about this era because, like I said, it's very controversial. Um, but there's a there's an underlying cinematic tone to it all. If you just take the time to stop and, and pay attention to what you're seeing. And I've done the um, musical or the music video analysis for the song Too Late, which is from this era. And that video is very, very trippy. It is very, very, it's, it, it's controversial by itself. But if you take all of the music videos from this era and smush them all together in order of from when they were released, it plays out like one of those really twisted and fucked up 1980s movies that just kind of have a random plot and it's like the main character is just going and going and going and no matter what, it just keeps getting worse. Matter of fact, the album was named after a movie that was shot in like the 1970s and I actually took the time to watch this movie. It's called After Hours and it is it literally, it makes sense why he would name his album this because his character the man in the red suit jacket goes from one bad experience to another, to another, to another. And no matter what happens, it just keeps escalating. It keeps getting worse. Eventually, the man in the red suit is seen as the villain in the story, you know, and it kind of progresses even more from there. Like, but regardless of what direction it's going, it's constantly, constantly getting progressively worse and worse and worse. And the movie After Hours, the main character... He starts off as just a normal, regular, regular guy doing regular, regular shit. And he meets this girl who kind of like, hey, why don't you come and, and hang out with me tonight? And from that one invitation, everything just progresses and becomes worse and worse and worse and worse. And it, it never gets better. The, the frustrating thing about the movie After Hours is that it never gets better for the main character. But even still in this cinematic version that The Weeknd has, it doesn't, it doesn't get better, but it doesn't get worse. You know what I'm saying? 
Um, and I want to really target on something very specific, but I'm going to get to it in a second. Um, but I think people should, you know, recognize that. I think people should acknowledge the cinematic influence that this era has. Because for The weekend, it's not just about putting out an album and putting out good music. Like, yes, that's a given. But if you go back and listen to any of his old interviews um, from when he first started making music, he will tell you that he is very, very much influenced by cinema. He's a he's an avid film watcher and he's into like those weird, trippy, kind of sort of not going anywhere type movies where the plot is like all over the place and the characters are like rising and falling and there's always this big discombobulation and confusion. He's really into movies like that. So, and of course you obviously wouldn't know that if you, unless you follow this nigga's career like I do or like his fans do. Um, but when you think about that, it makes sense why every time he releases a video, it gets progressively more intense than the last one. So, for example, in the Heartless music video, which was the first music video to drop from this time period, from this era, he's out with uh, Metro Boomin, who is a producer, and they're at his casino in Las Vegas. And it starts off like it's a regular night. They pull up to the casino. You know, they all looking fly, decked out, super cool. They get in there. They gambling, drinking. They got girls around them. You know, they're just having a good time, chilling. At one point, he kind of like steps out of the norm and is elevated into the state of euphoria. And for some reason, there's a toad, like a big ass frog, and he licks it. And it's and and there's a there's a there's a saying about how toads secrete this mucus that if you ingest it, it makes you hallucinate. And it's kind of that, you know, ideology. So after he licks this toad, it kind of turns into like uh, Once Upon a Time and not Once Upon a Time in Las Vegas, but um, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas with Johnny Depp. That movie is heavily influenced or was was the heavy influence for the After Hours era because it becomes this weird, like shit is melting off the walls and his face is turning in different colors and he can't figure, he, like he's all over the place. And then at the end of the video, he's running out of the casino and he stops and throws up. And then the video that follows that, you know, it just keeps that same energy throughout the entire. So all of the music videos are tied into one. And a lot of people didn't understand, you know, why is his face all bandaged up? Why is his nose busted and bleeding? And Because it's all part of the era. It's all part of the story being told. That's why he wears the exact same suit in every single performance. In every single music video... It's like this all black attire with this red suit jacket, those big sunglasses. Um, I want to say Blinding Lights was the second music video to be released. Um, and if not that, it was the actual title track, After Hours. It was one of those two. I'm sorry, I can't remember which one it was. But in the Blinding Lights, he's like being dragged by a ghost, which gave me very much uh, Fight Club vibes at the end when he's like fighting himself in the garage and he's getting pulled and dragged and smacked against the wall. It gave me very much that, which Fight Club is a very psychological movie that kind of fucks with you mentally, which makes sense because that's the type of shit that he's into. And, you know, as he's being pulled and dragged along the city streets in Las Vegas, his face is getting busted. His body is getting busted. That's why his nose is bleeding. That's why his mouth is bleeding. He's hurting himself. And then <laughs> from, the, I think it was Blinding Lights. So it's Heartless Blinding Lights After Hours. And After Hours is just him running around, like, trying to escape himself, you know. And he's trying to figure out what to go, what to do, 
what to, you know what I'm saying? He's trying to figure himself out. And then it gets into the In Your Eyes music video. And I love the In Your Eyes music video because it ends, it starts the same place where the After Hour music video ends. So he gets on an elevator with his glasses. His face is busted up and bleeding. He's standing there. And then these two people get on the elevator and they're kind of just talking casually amongst themselves, not really paying attention. So that's where the one video ends. The next video begins. They're on the elevator. He has a knife in his hand. He slits the guy's throat who gets on the elevator, leaving his girlfriend to be like, oh my God. And I love this because it's very cinematic. He's the serial killer, quote unquote, right? The girl is like that stereotypical dumb damsel in distress that you see in scary movies. And it's funny because they made her blonde, but she has dark skin. She's a black woman. So she's like this very timid, frail, bony black woman with this ridiculous blonde wig on and this like high school girl casual wear with like the tank top and the cardigan and the mini skirt with the big clunky shoe. Like she looks like the damsel in distress from the horror movies, but she's a black woman. I think that's hilarious. They even got her like running from looking back. Oh, where is he? You know, hiding behind pillars and parking garages and 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 stopping and stumbling and falling and shit. Like she plays the role perfectly. <laughs> Um, and then from the In Your Eyes music video, it goes into the Too Late video, which I've already analyzed that. So if you want to just take a step back and, and check that out, feel free to do so. Um, and then from the Too Late music video, it has the, <laughs> it has the, um, Save Your Tears. And this is the Save Your Tears music video is what really threw people off because up until this point, you would see him with bandages on his face. And then at one point, his entire face was bandaged up you know, wrapped around the head and wrapped around his mouth and his nose. Like he just had plastic surgery. And then the Savior Tears music video drops and his face is completely reconstructed with all of these fake prosthetics to make it look like he had this massive plastic surgery done. And so many people, and this is what I mean when you, when people know that you like something, they will like tag you and everything that has to do with that person. Like if they know that you're passionate about it, they will let you know, hey, what the fuck is this? So I'm getting tags out the ass on Facebook. What is this? What did he do to himself? What, what, is this real? Did this really happen? I'm just like, bro, y'all are gullible as hell. This is not real. He did not do this to his face. It's for a music video. Y'all are hilariously gullible. And it's get over yourself. Like, it's just, it made me laugh. Like, it was just funny that people really thought he went out of his way to get this ridiculous ass plastic surgery done. But I digress. Um, but long story short, I know I kind of dove into each of the music videos. And I know I skipped a few, like the Snow Child video, for example, um, which is basically a, a, a story of his entire music career going back. Which actually, Snow Child would be a better way to kind of sum up what I'm talking about. Because it's basically like starting from the beginning and ending where he is right now. So it goes all the way back to the trilogy era and it hits every single era in between and stops it right at the after hours era. So if you really just want to, <laughs> but, but uh, obviously if you haven't been following the weekend's career and you don't know any of this about him, then you're not going to understand all of the references, all of the symbolisms, all of the characters that pop up throughout the video, you're going to be like, well, I don't know what none of that means. So it, they kind of help each other out. So basically, go watch that, come back and listen to this, and you'll be caught up for the most part. Um, but one thing, and I'm 
I'm glad I finally got to the end of my tangent because one thing that I really, really want to discuss is the 55th annual Super Bowl halftime show where my man's headline solo dolo for a 14 minute long performance that was breathtaking. And I know so many people in the fan base have been talking. I've been watching it nonstop, literally since it aired this past uh, Sunday, um, which is a week ago from today. But it it was just because so many people were like, Ugh, I don't know if The Weeknd is even good enough to headline a Super Bowl halftime show. He's not even that big of an artist. Need I remind you that there was one point in the year 2020, because like I said, the singles, Heartless and Blinding Lights released at the end of 2019, after our teaser dropped in like January or February of 2020. And then he dropped the actual album in March of 2020. And his co- his company and his producers and his um, record label was like, eh, you know, there's a pandemic going on. I don't know if people are really going to be listening to you like that. He was like, no, no, I have faith in my fans. I'm pretty sure that they will eat this up. And right the fuck he was... Because not only did this album go platinum immediately, but it was literally home to the number one song in the world. If you had an iPhone for about two weeks, you could go onto your iPhone and say, hey, Siri, play me the number one song in the world. And his voice would come over the phone and say, okay, you're now listening to my number one song, Blinding Lights, on your Apple Music or whatever. You could have done that. And and excuse me, but I don't know a single artist on the planet who could say that they could have done that at one point. For two weeks straight, you could have gone to your Siri and said, play me the number one song or the number two song in the world. And his voice would have came over your phone and said, okay, you're listening to my song, Blinding Lights, Heartless, the number one song. Tell me, give me an example of anybody else who could have done that in the year 2020 during a pandemic where nobody is touring, nobody is releasing new music, nobody is doing any shows, nobody is doing anything. He didn't do anything but make music videos and have little snippets of the shit post on social media. That's all the promotion he had in the year 2020 belonged to him. So for you to say that he probably wasn't going to do a good job at the halftime show for the Super Bowl, you're delusional. And I had people come at me like, oh, I don't know if he's going to do I was ready. I had receipts. I was I was in there like swimwear. You ain't finna tell me that he's not finna destroy, I mean, dominate And I was so hyped up. I was so ready. I was so excited. And, you know, usually when you get that excited and revved up about something, you're often left with disappointment. And I was nowhere near disappointed. Not only did he kill it, not only did he dominate, not only did this nigga show the fuck out. I'm talking vocals. I'm talking music. I'm talking the performance overall. Every single aspect of his Super Bowl halftime show was amazing. And it was only 14 minutes long. And the thing that that tickled me pink the most is right after. And it came so quick. There's a scene in the halftime show where he's running through this tunnel. It's kind of lit up the same way the lights are lit up in the blinding lights and heartless music video at the casino where the story starts. 
Um, it's that exact same light fixture, as a matter of fact. And the internet is so goddamn fast. They made gifts. They made memes. They made little, uh, what is the word that I'm looking for? What's the word that I'm looking for? Parodies to it. Uh, comparing him to the Maury show, to the Dark Knight, the Joker. I'm talking about lickety split. The show just ended. I'm on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, you know, just sharing my experience with the world. And I'm seeing gif after gif meme after meme, video after video. I'm like, these niggas are efficient. They work lickety split with the quickness because I'm talking, they were back to back to back and they were some of the funniest things that I have ever read in my life. Like they were hilarious. I think the funniest one that I saw and I can't find the source of it because I've seen it about three or four different places, but somebody was like, this is a Super Bowl halftime show, but all the songs are about Coke. And that just made me laugh. That made me laugh real hard. Or um, this is me looking for my mom in the grocery store. And it's just like this frantic panic of wandering the corners and looking up and down and around. And it's just, it was hilarious. They are they are so funny. But I think the thing that really struck my soul the most about this halftime show is like, if you're like me, you've been listening to The Weeknd since he first started making music in 2011. I was in 10th grade going into 11th grade, and you really got to watch this man blossom into greatness. And one of the biggest things that I was seeing after his halftime show was the comparison. 2008, 2009, 2010, you know, 2011, mind you, when when House of Balloons first came out, he was this timid, shy, insecure young man performing you know, basically for free at these nightclubs in Toronto, singing his heart out to a room full of people who only maybe heard his songs on a SoundCloud account on the internet, you know, briefly. No one ever seen his face before. No one knew what he looks like. They just knew this amazing voice behind this amazing music with these amazing lyrics that just struck you passionately in the corrupt of your being. Fast forward 10 years later, 2021, this nigga is headlining the Super Bowl, the biggest television event of the year. Millions to billions of people are watching it. It's the most watched event on television in history. And he got to headline the halftime show. And he did it completely by himself. No special guest, no backup, you know, whatever. He did have an amazing, an amazing chorus who also doubled as violinists for his earned it performance, which I thought that that was the best. That was perfect. I'm not, I don't believe in perfection. I don't believe perfection exists, but God damn it. If you just took that little two minute snippet of that earned it performance from that Super Bowl halftime show, that was perfect. And then it ends with this great, you know, transition from house of balloons, his song house of balloons, and it slowly dove into blinding light. So it's literally like remembering the past and where you came from, a reminder of your humble beginnings and transitioning into where you're at now, the ultimate superstar to main stage. And it was just, it couldn't have ended better. Like he couldn't have done it better if he tried. And then the things that he did to prepare for this, this motherfucker spent $7 million of his own money to put into this performance. He had an entire football field 
full of men in the black suit with the red suit jackets and the face bandages wrapped up, you know, moving choreographically around him in the tunnel on the football field. Like I said, he had that humongous choir with those beautiful ass violins. I'm never going to get over how be- I'm talking, God damn it, gorgeous violinist. Just, ooh, it was like, it was like drizzling syrup on pancakes. It was fucking beautiful. Like, the shit was great. And I just can't believe that there were so many people. I was watching the Super Bowl with my significant other, my cousin, and my cousin's boyfriend. I'm the only person who loves The Weeknd as much as I love The Weeknd that I know personally. Everyone else either likes him or just tolerates him. My cousin and her boyfriend are the two niggas who just tolerate this nigga. They only know, like, Heartless, Blinding Lights, and maybe Earned It. They only know, like, maybe three songs about a nigga. Because I was talking about it. I was like, I ain't trying to watch the game. I don't care for the game too much. I'm just waiting for the halftime show. And they said, okay, we all can come over. We can watch it, blah, blah, blah. Uh, halftime starts. I'm waiting. I'm just sitting back. I'm I'm a little drunk. I'm a little high. I'm just waiting for it to start. It starts. They all looking at me like, okay, here we go. It's, it's going. You're finna watch it. Like they waiting to see my reaction, but then they sit back to watch and they're starting to get into it. They're like, man, this is pretty cool. I kind of like that. Of course, when he ran into that tunnel, they was like, bro, what the fuck is going on here? What is this nigga doing? Where is he at? What is he doing? He like he lost. Like they all cracking their jokes, talking their shit. But Overall, they were like, that was pretty good. I actually really, really liked that. That was pretty dope. You know, I'm looking at my cousin boyfriend. This nigga bobbing when the niggas in the choir start bobbing when they were singing their songs or whatever. This nigga getting into it. Like, he don't even listen to The Weeknd. He does not like The Weeknd. He does not listen to him at all. And he was getting into it, like, deeply. And they were just like, wow, that was pretty damn good. That was pretty goddamn good. I really like that. These are people who do not even know as much about this nigga as I do, and they can say they enjoyed it. And and so many people were like, it was like, it was Beyonce. First of all, stop trying to compare everybody to Beyonce, okay? Because you're not going to do it. That's number one. Number two, you can say it didn't match Beyonce's performance or Prince's performance or whoever's performance, but that's because it's not supposed to. He's not trying to be better than Prince and Beyonce. He's trying to be the best the weekend that he can be. And that performance was the peak of his, like, I don't know. And I'm going to this concert next year because they rescheduled it for 2022. I'm going. And I can't wait because if it's even an ounce, if it's even a drop, if it's even a molecule of what I've seen in that halftime show, I know it's going to be the greatest thing I've ever witnessed in my life. And 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 you can say I'm biased. You can say that I'm a fan. I'm a super fan. I'm a fangirl. Whatever. You're not going to sit here and tell me that he did not show the fuck out during that halftime show performance. You're lying if you say that he didn't. Because it's it's all there. And 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 even for someone like me to have watched his progression from 2011. This is 10 years from being someone who didn't even think they had a chance at greatness, for someone who didn't even believe that any of this was possible, to headlining the biggest television broadcast on the planet. Like that, you have to you have to give him his credit. You have to give him his credit where it's due, you have to acknowledge the fact 
that this nigga is doing some really wonderful things out here. And it's all about the amount of work and effort and energy he puts into everything that he does. And you can say this about any artist that you favor, that you followed for a very long time. They've really put in this time and energy and work to make their craft great. You have to give them their props. If this was anybody else that you favored, that you loved, that you were passionate about, whether it be their music or their personality, whatever, to see the milestone that they had to cross for them to get to where they are now from where they started a decade ago, like, you're not going to deny that that is not worth giving praise and attention. Like, it's it's inhumane of you at this point. Like, why deny that he's out here doing amazing things just because you may not understand his music or, you know, you may not understand the cinematography of his music videos or, you know, things that he does kind of throws you off and confuses you. It's artistry. At that point, it's just artistry. And you can't personalize it. You just have to appreciate it for what it is. It's kind of like, and I've used this metaphor before, it's kind of like looking at paintings or sculptures in a museum you may not get it at first, but there's a reason why it's there. There's a reason why people come from around the world to view and enjoy and admire this art because it's worth noticing. It's worth paying attention to. And maybe you get it, maybe you don't. That's fine. But you can't deny that it isn't pure greatness that you're experiencing. And anyone who says otherwise, honestly, you just a hater. Like, I don't know nobody. If you just didn't watch it, that's one thing. But if you watched it and you was like, eh, you're a hater. Like, there's no other way around it. And, and, and regardless of how much you understood, you ain't even got to look at the cinematography and, you know, what he's trying to do artistically. Appreciate this man's vocal skills. Appreciate the music. The fact that he had all of these goddamn violinists performing live, which I didn't even know this until later, that most Super Bowl halftime show performances are pre-recorded so they can edit and make adjustments. He did the entire thing live on the field at the Super Bowl. Like, no one has ever done that before either. So you have to just appreciate the fact that this nigga is making history he is doing shit that nobody else has ever done no other artist in the world can say that they were on the siri play my number one song in the world no other artist can say that they have done that in the year 2021 nobody else nobody else has broken more records than he did off of one album in one year and during a pandemic mind you He's still making history. He's still breaking records. He's still doing shit that seems impossible. And I'm and I'm talking passionate about it because it's like you can't ignore the history being made. You cannot ignore this greatness that exists in this person and his team who've helped him reach these up. Like you can't ignore that. It's not something you can just gloss over. Like it's there. It's evident. It's real. It's in your fucking face. Like, so for you to just brush it off like it doesn't mean anything is insulting. But, you know, it is what it is. Some people just aren't going to appreciate it. And you can't change everybody's mind. You know, some people just aren't convincible. And that's that's their loss. You know, you can still enjoy it. You can still appreciate it. You can still take it for what it is as this grand, glorious, structural 
artistry. You can take it for however you want to take it and let them be in their ignorance. Let them exist in that ignorance for however long. But, you know, overall, I think that the weekend is, and I talk about them a lot, but there's so much that I can say about them. And and, and it, it just makes me feel like there's this silver lining. You know, it's because it's, his story is very inspirational. And yes, there's a lot of time that's been invested for him to have gotten to point A to point B. But the fact that he was able to do it is inspirational. It should still be taken as like, you know, look at me, I made... Like, it's not impossible, basically. So... Just a little thing to kind of keep in mind. And, and I know that's kind of cheesy to look at your favorite artist and be like, oh, if he can do it, so can I. But for some people, that helps tremendously. So, I mean, take it for what you want. Take it how you need to take it. And don't take it for granted, I guess. But that was my little spiel on the After Hours era. I really want to talk about that halftime show performance because it was absolutely phenomenal. It is available to view on YouTube, just type in the weekend halftime show or Pepsi halftime show 2021. It should be able to pop right up. It is, um, I, again, it's breathtaking. It took, it stole my little heart <laughs> watching the shit. And it's so, it's so great. There's so many great things about it. I can't even put it into words. It's just, you got to see it to believe it type shit. But I want to thank you all for, for tuning in, listening, hearing me out. My nice little spiel. I appreciate the love, the support. And until next time, I'll speak to you guys a little later. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to the All Anal, All Anal, All Anal podcast with your host, Sebastian Starr.